Hi, everybody. I'm Mackenzie. Welcome to Unfiltered Legends. In each episode, John the Legend Boker talks to pool and spa people, professionals, service techs, pool owners about their experiences, the ups, the downs, the funny and the sad. Well, actually, they filter out the sad. We're here to entertain, but you might learn a few things along the way. In today's episode, we meet two athletes who use their time in the pool as a springboard to multiple state titles, international success, and a professional career down under. Find out what happens when Nicole Voss and Jennifer Chrisman Coffee end their athletic careers and come back home. Sometimes your biggest impact on swimming happens outside of the pool. Well, he said he beat diabetes once. <laughs> How do you beat diabetes? <laughs> Legend. Today, we're talking about Olympic dreams, swim lessons at 50, and the Triple Lindy. Is this back to school? It's just another episode of Unfiltered Legends. He lost all his money because he picked up a hitchhiker after Vietnam. I'm upstairs by myself in a closet. Just got more awkward. (laughs) The least popular podcast ever. (laughs) That is a rough start. I can see Jenison Poole. We got everyone. I can hear everyone. So we're going to start. Do you need this as a prop or no? You even need Whatever this works for you. Johnny, get that, please. <laughs> so, uh, Jen, we are going to start with you. I apologize for John. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we are talking with Jen. Jen, can you tell us a little bit about where you are right now and what do you do? Uh, right now, I'm uh, the pool director at Jenison High School, which is in Jenison, Michigan. I have been here for, I think, around 17 years. It's been a really long time. So I run the pool, and then I also coach a couple of the programs here. And uh, for the viewers out there, what is your name? Um, Jennifer Coffee is my married name. Uh, Jennifer Chrisman was my maiden name, competing name. All right, that's a perfect segue into competition then. Tell me a little bit about your career highlights, if you had to list them off to someone. Uh, Career highlights. Well, I I went to Jenison High School, where I'm currently directing at the pool. And while I was in high school, I was a five-time state champion uh, in swimming. I was a three-time state runner-up. I only lost four races my whole high school career. I was the swimmer of the year a couple times. I also was first team all state in water polo in Michigan all four years. I was um, player of the year a couple times. So that's about it for high school. I had most of the school records in swimming, but they're slowly starting to come down now. So that's a good thing 20 years later. Because of steroids. We'll get into that later. (laughs) (laughs) They have these new fancy suits that help a lot too. We did not have those in the 90s. Uh, I then went on to Michigan. I was on scholarship to swim there. I knew I had wanted to go there like the whole time through. And my parents were Michigan State fans, uh, so that was interesting. But I went to Michigan, I swam all four years, and then swimming kind of ends in March at NC2As, and then I would join their club polo team in the spring for a couple months just because I liked it and my coach encouraged me to do it, which was awesome. My senior year, Michigan water polo actually went varsity for the girls for the very first time. So I was on team one and then I was supposed to graduate and they said, why don't you come back and play a fifth year because you can play a fifth year of a different sport. 
So I was supposed to graduate in four, but I stayed a fifth year to play just water polo, which was fantastic. So my fourth year swimming, my senior year, I went to NC2As and I didn't do as well as I had wanted there. It wasn't a great way to end. And my coach had said, why don't you, uh, why don't you go to nationals next week? Maybe we just need to give you a little more rest. And so I said, sure, why not? So I go to nationals in Texas. And from there, I made the national team, which wasn't part of the plan because I was supposed to start playing water polo. So I had to go back to Ann Arbor and start swimming all summer to swim in China, in Beijing that August. So my mindset was finish swimming, go play water polo, but then I had to revert back and swim for four more months to uh, go compete in China, which was amazing. I swam there for the U.S. against all the countries, and I got a gold, a silver, and a bronze medal there, and I finished my swimming there. Then I hustled back to Ann Arbor to start my fifth year of water polo, so I played water polo all that year, and it was great because I finally got to commit a year to water polo because I'd pretty much been a swimmer my whole life. So we made the final four. Uh, I actually scored the winning goal to go to USC and my dad said to me, that shot cost us a couple grand because now they had, to, they had to go to USC like the next weekend to watch. So he was like, you know, of course he was kidding, but seriously, they had to get flights and tickets and everything for the next weekend. So anyway, we went to USC. Um, we ended up getting fourth there. It was a final four uh, NC2A format tournament. So we got fourth. That wasn't great, but I was, um, was All-American in swimming at Michigan. And I was also All-American for the year I played at Michigan in water polo. My mindset had gone from finishing swimming my senior year to, okay, now I'm going to China. Okay, now I'm going to play water polo. And then the national team coach called me and said, hey, why don't you come on out to California and join the national team? And I was like, okay, let's, let's keep going with this sport thing. And, you know, part of me want, thought I was going to be done, but I didn't want to like not try. So I went back to Ann Arbor. I graduated. They flew me straight to Australia for a month long training camp out in Australia. So I was with the top 18 players in the country and we were playing in Australia and we went back and I was in California for a while. And then we flew to the Netherlands. We had a tournament in the Netherlands. When you're on the U.S. team, you like don't go like a couple hours away. You like travel the world. So that was pretty cool. Uh, we had another tournament in Greece. That was really cool. So we went there. And then this was like 0304 and they carry 18 players on the team. And when they went to select the 04 team, they select the top 13 out of those 18. And I wasn't part of the 13. So at that point, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be done. And then I came back to Michigan where I started doing some schooling for my master's. And then I started coaching at Jenison. And then they decided to build this fantastic pool. And on the very last day of job applications, I decided to apply for this job because I was getting my master's. I was like halfway through my master's in school counseling. Totally flipped gears and applied for the job and got it. And now it's 17 years later and I'm still here. That's the very short version. <laughs> I, that sounds exactly like my senior year in college. I mean, that's just incredible. Oh my goodness. Woo. Enjoy the show. Stay on the know on all Legendary Pools and Spas tutorials, interviews, and articles by following Legendary Pools and Spas on Facebook at Legendary PLS. Have an idea for an episode or want to learn more about a topic? Shoot us a message. Click like and follow Legendary Pools and Spas on Facebook at Legendary PLS. 
uh, two other things that I should probably mention um, that were kind of important in my life were uh, in 2009, I was inducted into the Grand Rapids Hall of Fame. So I have this like brass face in Van Andel. And I randomly, yeah, I randomly get people who see it. They take pictures of it and send it to me. So obviously not during COVID, but a lot of people just take pictures and send it to me. It's pretty funny. But um, So in 2009, I was inducted into the Grand Rapids Hall of Fame. And then in 2015, Jenison, um, where we're at right now, started the High School Sports Hall of Fame. And I was in the um, inaugural class for swimming and water polo. So and they... Um, but yeah, they started that and they work really hard on it and it's pretty cool. So how do you come off of kind of being in that spotlight? Because I've seen this with other Olympic, you know, so many Olympians for that period of time. And then the second they're no longer part of the Olympics, they're just some other Home Depot employee that you have no idea who they are. Oh. So <laughs> not that Home Depot is a bad thing. <laughs> Is it psychologically hard to adjust from it? Because it sounds like it was an immediate transition back to Jenison, like China, Australia, small Midwestern, uh, sleepy little town. (laughs) Well, I think what helped me is that I had been planning to be done like at least three times. I was like preparing to be done after my senior year NC2As. And then I was kind of planning to be done after um, U.S. Nationals. And then I was kind of planning to be done after water polo, my fifth year at Michigan. I, I kept planning to be done. So I think around the fourth or fifth time when I actually was done, I was like, okay, I can take a breath. I was also dating the person I was married to long distance this whole time. So that kind of helped come back home to Jenison. Um, we dated while my last two years at Michigan and then the whole year I was in California. And so then preparing to be done so many times, I think I was just kind of ready. I I had absolutely no problems adjusting. I was ready to come back and then I was excited to get the pool job. And then, yeah, I I had no problems. Now we have another guest with us as, as well. And she also played water polo in high school and college, correct? Yep. Let's make one more introduction here. Hello. So, hi, I'm Nicole, um, Nicole Voss, and uh, as Jen was saying, I also, um, kind of a similar story to her, but maybe not with as many accolades, I attended Jenison High School and swam and played water polo here. After graduating Jenison, I went on to play water polo at Indiana University. When graduation from Indiana happened, I decided to continue playing in Australia. They kind of have a national league of their own and I was invited to play out over there with them. So I did that for a few years, then also found my way back to Jenison. It just kind of has a way of sucking you back in, I guess. They call it the bubble. And I was outside of that bubble for quite a while, but there's just a, you know, a special place that home has in your heart. and. I think I'm going on maybe eight years as the assistant aquatics director here at Jenison. Is the chlorine shortage giving you heartburn? If so, reach for borates. Borates, like those in Proteam Supreme. They help keep water balanced so your sanitizer works better. They work with all sanitizers and they're the perfect complement to salt chlorine pools. Ask your supplier about Proteam Supreme or Proteam Supreme Plus. Visit ProteamPoolCare.com to learn more. 
What's the commitment you have to make as an athlete at a Big Ten school, Indiana, Michigan, to be on that team? What's the regimen? Are you getting up at 4 a.m. every day and you're not jogging, are you? <laughs> you don't want to see swimmers jog. It does happen, but it's not it's not too pretty. I mean, there's definitely a level of commitment. There are different like hours that we're allowed to practice per week, depending on what part of the season we're in. For our team, we practiced year round. We had a lot of optional practices. When we arrive in school, arrive to school in August, we we are competing till March. That's when NC2As are. So there's like no breaks, there's no anything. One fantastic thing at Michigan is every Christmas we did two weeks of training in Hawaii, all paid for by the school. That's awesome. So the Jenison Swim Program, were you a, a big fish in a little pond? Well, in terms of high school, I mean, I, I guess I was, I guess probably a big fish in a little pond. Um, I mean, West Michigan swimming was pretty good, like the, the area in general. Club swimming is really what a lot of swimmers do when they're not in their high school season. And like now there's probably like 15 to 20 club teams in the Grand Rapids area. And when I swam in the 90s, there was like two or three. So all of your your athletes who wanted to commit to swimming outside of their high school season went to these two or three teams. Like Jenison had a little age group team, but they weren't competing year round. We've started a team here that's year round club swimming. Nicole's the head coach of it. I created the program in 03 with another person. It's way better than what we ever had back in the 90s. And Nicole swam in like the 2000s. Everything has grown immensely in West Michigan. You know, you hear about some schools around the state or the country that don't have pools and every school in West Michigan has a pool. Uh, and most of them are newer. Most of them had a pool in like the 60s and 70s and they have since rebuilt one. So we have a fantastic pool, but so many other schools in West Michigan also have pools. So it's swimming has come a long, long way. Do you still actively swim? Not generally. Normally I work all day and then I want to go home. So not usually, I don't usually swim. I wish I did. Before I got Nicole eight years ago as an assistant, I was running everything and coaching everything by myself. My days were really extremely long and I was also coaching three high school sports, so every single season. So I'd coach boys water polo in the fall, I'd have Sunday off, and then a little bit later I started boys swimming and then I'd have Sunday off after state meet and then I'd immediately go into girls water polo. So I was running the pool seven days a week and coaching three high school seasons and coaching Jaws. So it was pretty intense for a while. So they were either going to lose me or give me a full-time assistant. And that's where Nicole came in. Now, when you talk about JAWS, JAWS is a youth swimming program and the letters stand for something that I'm, I can't remember. Yeah, JAWS, uh, we were trying to come up with fun acronyms when we created the team, but Jenison Area Wildcat Swimming. So yeah, it's just, it's a club team. And like I said, there's like 15 to 20 other club teams right in the Grand Rapids area. But like uh, last winter or our last season that we had before COVID, and Nicole could tell you more about this, we got first place in the age group like championships out of all of West Michigan. And that was pretty fantastic because we are not one of the bigger school districts. We're, we're coming a long way here, but it's a lot of work. I uh, really don't swim at all. I grew up in the country. And Jen, you're, you're friends with my wife. So yeah. when I started 
dating her, she she swims a lot. She will see like an island at a lake and say, "Let's swim to that." And and so the first time we went to like Lake Michigan, she said, "Let's swim to the buoy and back." She swam out there. I followed her, and I could just barely turn around. And I was watching her go to the shore and realize she was now going to watch me die in the water. <laughs> She was going to watch me sink under the water slowly. Oh, goodness. Nicole, when we talk about swim lessons, what is the age that someone should get into swim lessons? Because I don't feel like 44 is the right time. Well, you know, you can never be too old to start something new. But generally, we gear our lessons towards um, a little bit younger of a population. We have adult tot lessons, and those start um, as soon as tot reaches six months of age. So six months, um, and then like you said, we we don't have a restriction on age. You could join our lessons. A lot of times if they're... Kind of creepy. <laughs> we don't put them together. Yes. So adults who want lessons will take like a private lesson road where they don't join our group lessons. But that's the interesting thing about some lessons is you can have a four-year-old who's advanced and can swim and they might need more of the stroke introduction where you could have a 10-year-old who has no idea how to stay afloat. So it is interesting when creating our classes because the age isn't the only factor in placing them in the right class. You know, we can do lessons for everyone. John can is a uh, nearly a competitive swimmer uh, back in the day. Can swim. Can I swim was every every stroke. We have we have a weird video of this for some reason. And Jana actually swam competitively until a tragic car accident that she won't share with us and <laughs> oh, no. crippled her. No, but, it's not that I won't share it. There's just there's no time. Yeah. So who wants to hear an interesting story? I have a question. Is height a major advantage in competitive swimming? Jana is asking this because she's four foot eight. Oh, she's standing right now. (laughs) Her camera is on a dresser. Um, I would say height is an advantage, but it's also not a deterrent either. I was fairly tall, so I definitely, I mean, if you dive in with the same force, a taller person is going to get a little further. But I was also friends with Natalie Coughlin, um, who you've probably heard of if you are in the pool world. And she was short, not short, short, but like five, 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 six. I would look up to that. <laughs> but she was shorter. She would be one of the shortest people and she'd be beating everyone. It has more to do with your efficiency in the water. Um, how you pull good water. And when you get to those upper level meets, they're long course. So I may have had a little advantage on the start, you know, if we had the same amount of force. But once you get in the water, it is completely your training, your work ethic, your efficiency, uh, those kinds of things. So yeah, it helps a little on your start and your turn. But um, when you get to the upper level, you're swimming in a 50 meter pool. So you have less turns. You always only have one start. Uh, So, yeah, it does help a little, but it is definitely not going to stop a motivated, hardworking, talented, efficient swimmer. So what you're saying is as short people just have to work harder. (laughs) I'm saying there's a chance. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brezza. Now I'm going to tell the story because you laugh at me because, you know, I know I'm a little fluffy now and I float better than I swim. But back in the day. I was six months old. My mother, deathly afraid of water. 
and she saw this thing at the Y that you should take your baby and throw it in the pool at six months old. Then you just bob up and down and then they hold you or whatever they did. That's what happened to me at six months old. And then as I got older, when I was in elementary school, I guess, I took all of the swim classes throughout that they offered at the high school. And I did all of those things. By the time I was probably 10, I had completed all the classes they had. There was no more to take. So I started diving because that was the only thing left I could do. And I was too young to get any type of life-saving certificate because I had taken all the courses to do it, but I was too young. I couldn't get into anything. So I started uh, beating people up. I got into karate. So that was it. Almost the next Greg Luganis. You missed that. <laughs> I, I, it was, and then you know, I went to Fair State and majored in underwater basket weaving. So you know, it followed me all through my life. Again, we have another five-year college student, so we followed a similar path. Now let's switch gears. When you talk about competitive swimming or even like water polo, what's the age that? and like performance level that you would recommend someone being at to get into something like that or club swimming? Is it for everyone or is it really for the better athletes? Well, I think like the legend talking about his path kind of ending, like him not knowing what to do. So he just decided to dive. That's the great part about our facility is you can start adult tot lessons when you're six months old. You can do preschool lessons, level one, two, three, four, five. You can join our age group swim team, and then you can join our our like JAWS team. So I feel like it's a good balance where no matter what you're looking for, and you can always continue to, to advance, I guess. There's no end of the road. You can keep going. And then water polo, we do that as well competitively. We have um, obviously high school, water polo and we have junior high and we just started age group maybe what 10 years back so age group water polo is happening now too and it's another opportunity for kids to start younger and enjoy a great sport water polo versus swimming does one of them look down on the other one not according to us (laughs) but divers divers are really just they're not real athletes right i can't answer that i don't know who's gonna hear this I do have a question, though, because both you guys, you know, you played your sports at such a high level. What injuries, how many injuries did you have over your careers, or did you? Are are swimmers more prone to injury than, like, water polo, obviously, you're taking a lot of, you know, balls thrown at your head. I I get that one, but... uh, I was thinking elbows. <laughs> well, for for swimmers, um, there's a lot of overuse injuries, a lot, especially when you, like for COVID, when we didn't swim for months and months, when we actually got kids back in the pool, we started really slow. If you just jump them back in and go really hard or jump back to where they were, you're all, you're definitely going to have injuries. So the overuse injury, you know, you're if you're swimming freestyle lap after lap after lap after lap, you're, a lot of the injuries we see are overuse injuries. Um, there's strokes like breaststroke where you, sometimes you get knee injuries. For the most part, if you do it right and you do a lot of stretching and you do dry land and you do exercises, you can prevent a lot of that. I did have some shoulder rotator cuff injuries, but I was also six feet tall in sixth grade. So I grew like so fast. So I was super tall 
and my shoulders got a little loose for a while. So, you know, I went to some therapy and then I was fine. And then I avoided injuries. In terms of water polo, like anything can happen. She got bloody noses all the time in high school. Like elbows, like kicking everywhere, punching everywhere. It's it's the best sport. It's so fun. <laughs> it's great. It's like you can get your aggression out and, and what the officials don't see, they don't see. There's 12 players in the pool and two officials. It's just a fantastic sport. They have some of those cameras at the Olympics now underwater and it's it's pretty intense. There, You know, there's injuries in all sports, but there's also a lot of ways to prevent them. You know, it just depends on the program you're in or, you know, your coaches and stuff. You talked about the swimsuits being an advantage now, and I know that's kind of gone through a progression where they were like super suits that kept you buoyant and they banned those. But what are the other advancements in, in swimming? Is it just better coaching now? It's kind of a lot of everything. It used to be back in the day, yards and yards and yards and yards and yards, and you couldn't get better unless you were swimming 10 workouts a week. Uh, now, a lot of the training is going more toward quality over quantity, and everything you're doing is is having a purpose. But the suits, they did get rid of the buoyant ones that were out there for a few years. They actually came out right after I stopped. I was kind of bummed. The suits now have a compression factor, and I don't know if they've completely eliminated all of the buoyancy out of them or if it's got to be a certain level. So they're really hard to get into. You've got to plan like 20 minutes to get into them. You're wet. You're trying to put on a suit. It's no good. FINA comes out with what suits are legal. But one good thing they did for uh, USA Swimming is what it's called, is that 12 and unders aren't allowed to wear these suits anymore at all. One of the main reasons was it, it's a financial thing. These suits for females cost three to $400 and you can wear them six to eight times. suits are have a limited time you can wear them yes yeah like six to eight times so your 10 year old if they could afford it were wearing a 400 dollars suit the top of the line one because they could afford it and then you know they're right next to Susie, who has a really baggy suit on who's competing and racing and so as of this past september even though we were in the middle of covid they completely eliminated the suits for 12 and unders the only exception is if you have a 12 year old at like olympic trials some kids will get a new one every season. Some kids will get a new one every year. Then they're no good. They they like absorb the water and make you it make it worse. So oh. I don't know all of the details, but they're very expensive and they have a shelf life. These are like your barbecue wow. t-shirts, Johnny. For the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> I just cut the sleeves off of those and then I'm good. Well, I mean, those expensive suits, it kind of reminds me of like it, a lot of the sports here in the South are what we call pay to play. If you've got money, you can win if you can afford to buy the better stuff. Mm -hmm. So I like... You're absolutely buying time when you when you wear these suits. You will absolutely drop time. Yeah. It's, it is a physical advantage, but it's also a mental advantage when you have the suit on. So you feel more confident, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's physical, but it's also mental walking up, you know, when you're going up to race. Now, do you find that the better swimmers started early? Or can you jump into it at age 10 and be, is that too late? It's not too late. One of my good friends at Michigan went to the Olympics for the U.S. and she started at 12. We see it all the time. Veteran swimmers that come year after year after year that end up being very quick by the time they graduate. But we've also had kids join the team in high school, maybe sophomore, junior year, and they end up graduating and swimming just as fast as some of those kids who have been swimming for years and years. So we actually just call our swim lessons Jenison Swim Lessons. 
they are based off of the American Red Cross, but over the years we've kind of like tweaked them to be what we see fit. So we call them Jenison Swim Lessons. So how does a child graduate from one level to the next? What do they need to accomplish? So in order to move from one level to the next, a swimmer must pass their current level. They pass their current level by completing all of the required skills on that level's report card. Preschool, level one, level two, level three, level four, and level five. And to move from one to the next, you have to pass all of the skills on that level's report card. Every level has different skills on their report card. Obviously, as you go higher up the levels, the skills start to become a little bit more challenging. A lot of the distances become longer and the durations become longer. So all the report cards have different skills depending on that level. The report cards have a bunch of generic skills that they have to pass. For example, like entering the water, exiting the water, blowing bubbles, doing bobs, doing floats. So those are kind of like some of the generic skills. Again, they differ depending on what level you're in. And then every report card also has exit skills that you have to be able to complete before you can move on to the next level. The exit skills are usually some of the generic skills strung together. For example, entering the water, traveling five yards, and doing three bobs, and then exiting the water. And also on top of that, which um, is a really important part of the class, we have a safety skill or multiple safety skills that they have to pass in order to move on to that next level as well. For our lessons at Jenison, every fourth day of class is always the safety day. And that's the day where we focus most of the class on different safety day topics. Depending on your level, you're gonna be learning something a little bit different, how to call for help, don't just pack it, wear your jacket, recognizing a lifeguard, rules for large bodies of water, lots of different safety things that we go over depending on the level that you're in. Our safety day is the only mandatory class. The swimmers must be present at that class in order to be eligible to pass on to the next level. If they sign up for a set of swim lessons and they can't make it to one of the class sessions or something, it's not a huge deal. They can still do all of their skills and pass. But if they're not at that fourth class and they aren't there for the safety day, then we cannot even pass them. All the skills are important, but the safety day is definitely one of our um, priorities when the kids are doing our swim lessons because being safe around the water is so important. You have to do all the skills, generic exit skills and safety day to be able to pass on to that next level. So typically, and this is an odd year, but typically from preschool to graduation, what does that timetable look like for the average student? Oh, it's really different. We have some kids that literally will take one level, pass to the next, take the next level, pass to the next. But we also have kids that have to take every level a couple times before they can move on to the next level. So that is a tricky question because it's all different. <laughs> it feels like if we don't get people trained again, you don't get kids trained again, we're going to lose a generation of protection against these kids because uh, swim lessons prevent drowning and drowning is an issue that we all have to deal with with kids at that age. I mean, I always tell the parents on the first day too, Swim lessons, it's not just a sport for fun. Swim team, you learn a life skill that's gonna stick with you forever. 
like you were talking about swimming out to that buoy and not knowing if you can make it. If you had a season of swim team when you were younger, you probably would have felt a lot more confident getting to the buoy and making your way back in. These kids need to have a round or two or three or four of swim lessons, maybe a season of swim team so that they have that swimming life skill forever. Michigan too, with it being just a hot spot for summers, we have water everywhere. I mean, you guys know Michigan, you can drive five directions anywhere and you're gonna come across a lake or a pond or a great lake. Some lessons are important everywhere. And then I would just say, especially in Michigan and in the summertime. When you guys swim at different pools, do you know when it's good water and bad water? Do you have a sense of it? We have a pool maintenance guy that is on top of the chemicals multiple times a day, and our maintenance crew is trained on that. But we can walk into a pool and absolutely tell if it's, not only if it's maintained well, because you can have someone who fully understands how to keep the chemicals in balance, but we have a horrible rule here that everyone hates, but it keeps our water crystal clear. We make them shower and they call us names under their breath um, and they hate us and we have to remind them every day of the year, but we make them shower and our pool is so much better because of it. When I give my high school boys a bathroom break, I literally say to them, got a five minute bathroom break in the locker room. Don't go to the bathroom in my pool. I will give you a break to go to the bathroom. I know teams from coaches, previous coaches, that literally their guys will sit in the shallow end and just pee together. They'll all pee in the pool. (laughs) And you wonder why their pool smells so bad. I do have a rule. is You can pee in the pool, just don't get in the pool to pee. That's terrible. Bad, bad, bad joke. Bad joke for a pool doctor. The worst. Bad joke. (laughs) I I just want to say the other side of that chemistry issue that you guys probably understand tremendously is air quality. Because on a lot of these facilities and older buildings and things, they don't have an air handling system to turn over that air in those those, uh, swimming rooms. So uh, that's something that is neglected a lot. Absolutely. When I swam, when I was younger and I had a club team, like I mentioned earlier, there was only a couple. I drove to Forest Hills every day to swim. And at one point it got so bad that there was a couple inches off the water that we couldn't breathe. And we were literally coughing the whole practice. And like some people were to the point of like throwing up, like it was super bad. So a couple parents called in the health department and the whole facility got shut down until they had to redo their ventilation system. Uh, When I was at Michigan, we got shut down my junior year to redo the ventilation not because there was a problem just because it was Michigan and they wanted a new one and then when our pool got built 17 years ago at Jenison our people who put in our ventilation were the same people who put in the U of M ventilation so we I I know it's 17 years old but we have a a top-notch ventilation system and that is it's so incredibly important. Jen I know that you have a pool in your backyard. And do you have a, I heard, do you have like a, a separate lap lane? <laughs> um, I have, uh, what is it? Uh, 20 by 40, like I have a big old rectangle. And then when we were getting our pool built, I said, how, how much would it cost just so you don't extend it? And it's a 20 yard lap lane that just kind of, it looks like the letter P. Well, I don't understand the P thing at all, but I'll, I well, just feels like there's a, a corner. A rectangle with the lane just extending on one end, on one side. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, and good luck on the pool season, and we will talk to you guys soon. 
Awesome stuff. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you. Bye. Unfiltered Legends is recorded using Squadcast and Zencaster. Our show is hosted by Podbean, edited on Adobe Premiere Pro with licensed music from Soundstripe. How do you like the show? We want to hear from you. Contact us at legend at havilandusa.com or leave us a message, 616-365-9515. Unfiltered Legends is brought to you by Haviland Pool and Spa, creative pool chemistry since 1968.